Welcome to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. How come so few people have heard of Nikola Tesla? Did this great inventor possess some special knowledge about the multiverse? Was Thomas Edison a crook? Hello and welcome to the uh, 756th edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno uh, here on WOON 1240 AM and that's uh, 99.3 FM as well. Uh, And this is our 11th year on the air. I'm Ben and those electrifying questions came from my co-host and partner in the paranormal and dad, Paul. So today we bring you a new guest on a subject we've never really covered before, also one of particular interest to me. And uh, we welcome your attempts at communication today. Numbers are eight or uh, four zero one seven six six one two four zero. That's from anywhere. You can send us emails during the show and after the show as well at paulbehindtheparanormal.com for those. Tim Swartz is an Emmy Award-winning television producer and videographer and is the author of a number of popular books, including <clears throat> The Lost Journals of Nikola Tesla, America's Strange and Supernatural History, UFO Repeaters, Time Travel, Fact Not Fiction, Men, Men of Mystery, Nikola Tesla, and many others. As a photojournalist, Tim has traveled extensively and investigated paranormal phenomena and other mysteries from the Great Pyramid in Egypt to the Great Wall in China. He has also appeared on the History Channel programs The Tesla Files, Ancient Aliens, Evidence, Ancient Aliens Declassified, and the History Channel Latin America series Contacto Extraterrestre. Tim's articles have been published in many publications, and he writes a column about high strangeness for the magazine Daydrifter based in his native Indiana. His other activities include co-hosting Exploring the Bazaar on KCOR Radio along with Tim Beckley, <coughs> excuse me, who was our guest last week and who occasionally guest co-hosts this show. Tim's, uh, Tim Swartz's websites include ConspiracyJournal.com and TeslaSecretLab.com. So Tim Schwartz, welcome to Behind the Paranormal. Well, Paul, Ben, thank you very much. It's a great pleasure to be with you today. Well, so, you know, I've enjoyed many, many hours with you on the air uh, via Tim's and your, and your show, and it's just a great pleasure to have you on ours, uh, certainly here. So, Ben, uh, take it away. Alrighty. So, Tim, let's start with something that seems relatively simple, but probably mm-hmm. isn't. Uh, so, who was Nikola Tesla, and what exactly did he accomplish? Oh, my gosh. Now, we'll see, now we're going to just take up the entire hour of the show here just, <laughs> just oh, well. with that question <laughs> alone. But, uh, you know, Nikola Tesla was, uh, uh, he was born in uh, 1856 in, in Croatia. And uh, right from the very beginning, I mean, this, this was, a, was a kid who, his mind was already illuminated. You know, his father was a uh, uh, an Eastern Orthodox priest, and and had hoped that Tesla would um, you know join him in the uh, the ministry. But uh, Tesla had other ideas, and uh, after he had a, a a pretty debilitating sickness, he had made a deal with his father that if he lived, his father would allow him to go to university and to uh, uh, study you know engineering and uh, things like that. So. Uh, Eventually, Tesla ended up moving to the United States to work with uh, Thomas Edison. Uh, Tesla had a, uh, a great admiration for Edison, and uh, but unfortunately, after the two uh, worked together for a while, they had a pretty big falling out, and uh, Tesla started out on his own. So, uh, really, you know, anything that we enjoy 
in the modern world based on electricity, uh, you know, our AC current, radio, remote control, uh, Wi-Fi, cell phones, we can attribute that to Tesla. Yeah, so, I mean, this was a gentleman that actually started the second industrial revolution based on electricity and electronics. So, I mean, kind of in a nutshell, there's Tesla for you. Okay. That was, that was pretty good. Yeah, 25 words or less. That's exactly what we like. <laughs> so let's uh, let, let's skip ahead a little bit. You know, there's all all sorts of cra- crazy stories about some of his inventions, but we're gonna we're gonna skip right ahead to the U.S. government. Um, so why did the U.S. government confiscate boxes of his research after his death? Tesla, um, and and there are a number of different theories, and and we really don't know for sure. Probably the main thing was that uh, Tesla had uh, created what he called a death beam, uh, and it's been erroneously also called the death ray. Mm-hmm. But there, but there's a difference, you know, uh, a ray would, uh, according to Tesla, you know, say like a death ray or a ray gun, uh, would only travel so far while his death beam, uh, he said, could travel hundreds of miles. And this was a device that we would now call a particle beam weapon. And Tesla first conceived of this probably in the early 1900s. And he finally performed affected it uh, sometime in the uh, in the late 1920s. Uh, he tried to convince the United States government, first of all, uh, that this was something that you know they could use. You know, this this had great military uh, advantages as uh, a defensive weapon. He he didn't want it developed as an offensive a uh, weapon but merely defensive uh, but unfortunately he he was rebuffed so he took this idea to several other countries uh, uh, Great Britain uh, Yugoslavia you know the, uh, his his uh, homeland and um, nobody was was interested until Tesla died and then there was this big huge scramble especially uh, by the United States uh, to get a hold of uh, anything that they possibly uh, could get a hold of. So uh, what happened was that when he died, the uh, uh, the government, uh, uh, first the FBI and then the uh, Office of Alien Properties, came in and, and grabbed whatever they could get their hands on and uh, kind of squirreled it away for uh, a later study. Hmm. It's funny, having uh, studied for the Eastern Orthodox priesthood myself, I'm surprised to hear that Tesla's father was a priest. I never knew that. <coughs> but, uh, <coughs> excuse me, on the matter of um, where Tesla got his information, there there is some uh, opinion that uh, he was in, in touch with outside intelligences, and you have discussed that somewhat in your book. So could you speak to that, that issue? Well, you know, and when he, he had built a laboratory to uh, study uh, lightning and thunderstorms in his uh, uh, search to try to create uh, the wireless transmission of electricity. And this was in Colorado Springs. And at one point, uh, using a radio receiver, and as far as anybody knows, he had the only radio receiver uh, on the planet at that time, uh, he claimed that uh, he was receiving 
radio transmissions, kind of like in the form of, of Morse code almost, for, for, you know, that's probably the closest description that I could give on what these signals were like. And he said that they were coming from uh, outer space. Now, even at this time, Tesla was familiar with the, uh, uh, the radio sounds that say that the sun and uh, Jupiter and some of the other uh, uh, planets were making, which, I mean, uh, considering this was 1898, that was pretty remarkable. I mean, you know, uh, most uh, 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 physicists had no idea that uh, planets were producing radio signals, but Tesla already knew that. But he said that this, this signal was completely different. Uh, that this was an intelligent signal from outside of this planet. And he speculated that it could have been coming from Mars. You know, at that time, Mars was the planet that was best considered to harbor life. But, sure. you know, he, did, he didn't know for sure. You know, he just, you know, that was just, you know, oh, yeah, maybe it was from Mars or Venus. Exactly. Well, all right, let's uh, go back just a bit before we get too far afield. We have a question from Nick in Montreal. And is there any truth to Tesla's l- later inventions that, I guess it's, it means that Tesla's later inventions are still classified by the U.S. government? I don't know if that's correct, but that's what Nick asked. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, probably. Uh, there is uh, so much of Tesla's material that has just basically disappeared. Uh, some of it ended up in the hands of the Soviet Union. Some of it uh, ended up in the hands of the, the U.S. government. Some of it actually uh, was stolen by, uh, by Nazi Germany. Uh, uh, they had, uh, yeah, the, the Nazis had a pretty extensive uh, spy network on the East Coast, uh, in the, uh, starting in the late 1930s, and Hitler was fascinated by Tesla. So, you know, there was actually a fear that, uh, Hitler was gonna go and try and kidnap Tesla, but, uh, what he actually did was that he used his, you know, uh, extensive business connections uh, to uh, to get a hold of uh, uh, quite a bit of, of Tesla's uh, material. So, yeah, I mean, I have no doubt that um, a lot of Tesla's uh, ideas, his paperwork, uh, are still being held, you know, especially by uh, places like DARPA, uh, you know, Air Force uh, uh, research, uh, places like that. You know, uh, slowly his uh, ideas and theories are are trickling out. But uh, there's probably, uh, gosh, you know, who knows, an extensive amount of information that uh, that that most of us in the civilian world have no idea uh, is out there and has been was conceived by Tesla. Hmm. All right, uh, I was um, surprised to... Uh, well, uh, before we get to that, let's get back to the, sort of the theme of the people think maybe he was in touch with somebody else. Um, the disclaimer we would we would say maybe is, if you're watching Ancient Aliens, you know, this amazing structure, you know, aha, this was, you know, people were too dumb to build this, so it had to be built by aliens. Uh, there are two possibilities there. One is that people just had the intelligence, and this maybe Tesla just had the intelligence, the native intelligence to come up with this, uh, or, and or, uh, there, you know, the cyclical theory of history is correct, and we've been from stone tools to power tools three or four times, as some of the indigenous peoples believe, and maybe some of the knowledge got carried over. So it didn't necessarily have to be aliens. Uh, so that being said, 
your your book, of course, uh, one of your books, of course, discusses the um, uh, lost journals of Tesla and uh, what is in those lost journals. Well, uh, uh, again, as I alluded to before, a lot of this material we have we have no idea. A lot of it probably has to do uh, with uh, uh, Tesla's death beam. Uh, 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 some of it has to do with his idea on the wireless transmission of electricity. Uh, that was Tesla's big dream. Uh, he worked long and hard to develop this. Uh, you know, I mean, it, it, the entire AC grid that we have today. Well, that that came from Tesla. Tesla was the guy who actually uh, uh, built the power plant at Niagara Falls. To, uh, to to first harness harness the amazing uh, uh, power of, of water to generate electricity. Well, um, it was the Edison, Edison's company Westinghouse that won the contract to uh, provide the electric power lines uh, from this plant. So Tesla that got him thinking. Well, maybe there is a better way than to to to, to send this power through. Wires. So he started working on uh, the idea of uh, transmitting uh, energy wirelessly, either through the atmosphere or through the ground, or probably a combination of both. We we really don't have, uh, or you know, or, or at least uh, you know, civilian scientists don't really have a good idea of what Tesla had in mind. Tesla was very secretive. Uh, he did not provide uh, all of the details on his patent applications and and his his notes. Tesla had um, an eidetic memory. Uh, he he never forgot anything, and so he really didn't feel the need most of the time to write things down. It was up to his assistants to 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 write their stuff down. So anything that was written down that has to do. Uh, with things uh, uh, like uh, uh, the wireless transmission of energy, the death beam, possibly even things like the uh, early research into field propulsion. You know, so, uh, science fiction would call that anti-gravity. You know, that was something that that Tesla uh, was uh, toying around with as well. So a lot of this material. Uh, probably ended up in, well, I don't say probably, you know, a majority of it did end up in the hands of uh, various governments uh, around the world. Uh, some of that still remains lost. Uh, uh, Tesla's uh, secretary, uh, a man that uh, that he worked with almost his entire life here in the United States, uh, 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 had a lot of this material in his possession. The, uh, the FBI... Um, starting in around uh, um, uh, 2013, started releasing uh, some of the files that they had on Tesla. And w- one of these files was a letter from uh, Shreff's uh, son, uh, who who said that he was being contacted by a gentleman who was very interested in uh, Tesla's material and uh, he told the FBI that he was afraid that this man was maybe you know like a foreign agent or something and that uh, and that he was in possession of a lot of Tesla's material uh, that his his father had had retained uh, and um, you know maddeningly the the FBI uh, didn't seem to follow up <laughs> on this letter, uh, or if they did, we don't know about it. 
So, you know, that's, you know, your guess is as good as mine on what's out there and how much of it there is. Well, I remember uh, strolling uh, rather nicely uh, one evening along the uh, promontory at uh, the Canadian side of Niagara Falls with Ben's mom a couple of years ago, and uh, slowly I turned, and there was a uh, statue of Tesla. I said, I know that guy. So there we are, and he was, he's looking down, as you know, uh, towards some of the technology that, that produces the tremendous um, uh, hydroelectric energy at that site that is based on his technology. But, uh, Tim, let me quote from a commentary on your book, uh, The Lost Journals, which I found online. Uh, quote, these explosive journals, if true, could show that Tesla was indeed the first man to receive communications from life forms not of this planet. These communications so frightened Tesla that he spent the remaining years of his life secretly dedicated to discovering the true purpose of the alleged extraterrestrials and devising new technologies to enable mankind to protect itself from possible enslavement from a race of creatures that once called Earth home and humankind their children. Uh, that's uh, kind of out there, but... <laughs> um, <laughs> what say you on all this? I mean, it sounds very Lovecraftian. And in a way, you know, the the old ones, as H.P. Lovecraft wrote, our Rhode Island brother here, mm. and uh, the the issue of um, that Ben and I are always talking about, you know, parasites uh, trying to manipulate and gain sustenance by messing with us and all this business. I mean, whether that's true, uh, we think it is. Uh, it sort of dovetails with that. I mean, what what what's your comment on that? I mean, on that on that comment. After Tesla orig uh, originally received uh, the Morse code type of signals, um, he continued research into this, you know, sporadically throughout the rest of his life. You know, you have to remember also that Tesla was one of these type of guys that, you know, he would work on something for a while, and then if he got um, uh, you know, uh, another idea that fascinated him, you know, he would put aside his other work and then go off on you know a new tangent but uh, he would uh, he would continue every now and then his his research into these mysterious radio transmissions and he actually uh, uh, studied um, various radio frequencies now you know being you know, being on radio you know that uh, the, this universe is is permeated by all types of, of radio frequencies so I mean he was uh, looking into you know ultra low frequencies uh, the, the the very high end scale he was even researching um, uh, light whether or not uh, uh, light had the ability to transmit and receive, uh, 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 you know, uh, information. Uh, I mean, that's that's how far ahead the, uh, of, of the curve that this guy was. But um, as time went on, he started actually receiving uh, what he said were were voices over these uh, uh, unused uh, radio frequencies. Uh, sometimes they would speak in. Um, um, English or other foreign languages. Other times they were uh, talking in languages that, that he could not understand. And, and Tesla, uh, I can't remember what it was, but I mean, he spoke a number of different languages. So, I mean, you know, there, there probably wasn't any Earth based language that he would not be able to, to understand. Uh, he, one of his assistants wrote down one time that Tesla was worried that these signals that he was receiving was not, were not, they weren't coming from outer space, but they were actually coming from Earth. 
that whatever was sending these transmissions uh, were already here, and that that concerned him somewhat. I mean, you brought up the idea of of, of love, Lovecraft and and the old gods, and uh, Tesla kind of worried that uh, uh, human science would uh, somehow. Uh, uh, make it available for whatever these voices were to have an easier access uh, to us. Um, uh, in my opinion, I think that Tesla may have been one of the first people to start receiving what we would now call electronic voice phenomena. Wow! And 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 and, and as you know that uh, a lot of these uh, receptions along those lines, the information can be spurious. <laughs> oh, <best>. yes. <laughs> yep. Now, then we've moved right into your street here when it comes to sound and audio. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, Nikola Tesla did some interesting stuff. Like um, the, the theory behind the earthquake machine was mm-hmm. that he was yep. really u- like using a low-frequency generator to sort of like shift the earth. So really, a, a lot of the a lot of the amplitude modulation or you know um, sort of sort of technologies we have today are based based off of the stuff that you know he's done. A lot of there's actually a really fascinating thing that he built, um, which is still standing somewhere in New York today. I forget where it is, but essentially it was this big tower that the in Long I- Island. Yeah, yeah, where he essentially wanted to transmit images via electricity from there. I mean, the guy was yeah, that, really, yeah, really, that, yeah. That tower's not there any longer. Oh, it's not. Oh, no, no, no. Oh, darn no. It. Yeah, that. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was built on Long Island. Yeah, curses. Uh, <coughs> one of the. Well, something. One less thing on the bucket list there, but. Uh, <coughs> I was wanting to um, see it too. <laughs> mentioning low frequency sound waves is extremely interesting, Tim. As you know, um, in 1998, this this poor sap in a British laboratory was ex- was doing his regular work. Nothing to do with <coughs> the paranormal, certainly. But all of a sudden, he saw a strange figure in the doorway, and things started to click, and you know, odd things started to occur. And it turns out that there was a faulty uh, uh, mechanism in the ventilating system, and it created the standing wave in the building, and created the either the illusion. Uh, I guess that there's a certain frequency at, at which the human eye eyeball actually starts to vibrate, mm-hmm. and th- this can create uh, things. That you, you start seeing things, uh, or uh, I think that, that there may be a possibility that this may sort of open uh, doors and membranes to parallel goings on, and maybe that's the part, part of the explanation. But could you say a little more about uh, his work, Tesla's work with VLF or infrasound or very low frequency sound waves? Well, yeah, uh, you know, as 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 Ben uh, mentioned, you know, Tesla was fascinated by by resonance as well, and uh, he had developed this little device that uh, it, it basically just uh, would uh, uh, issue a series of of small taps or knocks onto something, and it would uh, uh, increase till say like a a building would start resonating and uh, you know he said that uh, you know he could bring a uh, a building or an entire block down in fact he had an experiment where he had this device and it wasn't very big it was you know like maybe about the size of a shoebox that he had attached to a uh, a, a pillar in his uh, laboratory in Manhattan and this device uh, actually uh, started to uh, shake the entire neighborhood to the point that uh, uh, people were calling the police 
and uh, saying that there was an earthquake going on. And Tesla basically had to take a sledgehammer to it uh, to, to, to stop it. Uh, so um, you know this this developed on in, you know into other types of, of of research into these these different frequencies. You know Tesla. I mean you know to Tesla's viewpoint, the universe was made up of frequencies of of energies at various levels of of, of vibrations. And that uh, you know, uh, he felt that um, the unified field theory uh, w- could be based on this, on electromagnetics, on frequencies, and uh, you know, uh, he observed all kinds of unusual effects in his laboratories when he was doing experiments on you know on, on stuff that had nothing to do with that. But um, you know, he could uh, uh, things uh, would uh, would move around on their own. Uh, uh, some of them uh, actually, uh, you know, his assistants would report that the items would disappear uh, when he had various uh, things, uh, you know, turned on and operating. And, and this is frustrating because uh, Tesla never really followed up on any of this. I mm. mean, it was his assistants who wrote about this, uh, but but Tesla. You know, Tesla was was very much uh, a materialist in uh, most of his life. I mean, you know, he did not believe in psychic powers or ghosts or, 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 or things like that. So he attributed these effects to basically human era, error. Though he did have one uh, experience where he was uh, struck by an arc of electricity, and for a brief moment he said he felt like that he w- had been transported outside of time and space and that in that brief moment which he said to him it seemed to last forever that he could see both the past the present the future the entire universe uh in in front of him and uh, fortunately his his assistant uh grabbed a two by four and and knocked him out of this uh (laughs) this this arc of electricity or else you know he probably would have eventually have electrocuted uh, but uh, yeah, that was you know that was some of the things that that went on along those lines with Tesla. Well, let's get into that after our break. Uh, perfect timing, actually. <clears throat> You're listening to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno on WOON, twelve forty AM and ninety nine three FM in New England's beautiful Blackstone River Valley with our fascinating guest Tim Swartz and our fascinating subject Nikola Tesla. We'll be right back. Hi, Parrot Heads. This is Joe Callahan, your Mater D in the Tiki Bar every Tuesday night from 6 to 7. One full hour of nothing but Jimmy Buffett music. The Tiki Bar is brought to you by Attorney Bob Lauder and by the Carew Investment Group. Okay, welcome back. Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. Our guest today, Tim Swartz, and our subject, Nikola Tesla. Now, Tim. You know not only a lot more about Tesla than I do, but you also know about the paranormal. This idea of sound is very interesting, and we've already touched on the notion of infrasound and people thinking they're seeing paranormal events or actually seeing them because of these sounds. Um, so the uh, the whole idea of frequencies that that is always talked about by psychics and mediums and all this is there's something to that you think. Oh, I definitely think so. Yes, <laughs> I've never really understood. You know, fifty years doing this, and um, you know, I mean, I get it, I guess, but I don't know. Maybe I just think in other terms. So, 
Could you say more perhaps about that? Now, now th- this experience Tesla had in the, the arc of electricity is extremely interesting. Do you think he was really experiencing um, the nexus of consciousness, mm-hmm. as we call it, uh, you know, sort of a central area where time, I guess time, as Einstein essentially proved in 1952, does not really exist uh, as an objective um, you know, linear phenomenon. It's more of a, a function of our consciousness. Do you think he was experiencing something, uh, the, the Tesla, not Einstein, was he experiencing right. something uh, more or less uh, ob- in objective in its reality or just some sort of um, uh, mental phenomenon caused by the electricity or both? You know, uh, I, w- I wish I could give you that, that definitive answer. Oh, because, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I wasn't there, you know. I, yeah. I, I did not go through this experience. Well, you can always stick your head into an arc of electricity. Yeah, well, yeah. Well, uh, yeah. In my uh, in my earlier uh, uh, television days, I actually had a uh, an arc of electricity uh, come out of a klystron at a, uh, a very badly maintained uh, tele- television <laughs> transmitter that went through my thumb. So, uh, yeah, I've been there. Oh dear! All right. <laughs> yeah, wasn't fun. All right, uh, but I didn't have the same experience as Tesla did. You know, it's uh, Tesla certainly seemed to believe that his experience was real uh because it uh it, it it led him to start looking into say like uh, um um eastern uh philosophies uh you know b- before that time as as i said before tesla really didn't have uh, uh a lot of time for you know people who believed in you know psychic powers and ghosts and thing and yeah. things like that but after that experience um, uh, you know, Tesla started to become a little bit more interested in uh, the mind and its association with the universe. You know, he never really did come forward and say that you know he believed in the paranormal or or or, or psychic and stuff. But uh, you're you're led to believe from reading things that he wrote about le- later that uh, that that he considered the possibility that that some of these things that that we would call the paranormal or maybe all of them uh you know had a scientific explanation naturally uh, we just aren't there yet you know we're, undiscovered we, science as we say right yes. exactly exactly and so uh, but he felt that um, we first had to understand better uh our mind our consciousness and how it worked with the universe was it a part of the universe you know was it separate from the universe uh or are those just you know uh, meaningless uh, questions sure. uh, he uh, as naturally as, as as he grew closer uh to the time of his death in in, in old, old in his old age he really did start to believe that uh, uh that our minds are connected to the universe uh he 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 thought that possibly what we would call the akashic record that uh, that that people did have this ability to kind of uh, of tap into that. Uh, he was influenced, and, I, and unfortunately, I can't remember uh, what this gentleman's name out by a, uh, a, a an Eastern philosopher who was very popular at the time uh, in the, especially in the in the 1930s. And so, uh, 
you, you see that evidence in a lot of uh, Tesla's later writings with the idea that uh, to better understand the universe, we have to first understand our own minds uh, because our, you know, really our minds are a, uh, a microcosm of the, uh, the the larger macrocosm. Okay. We have a question from Phil in Orange, Massachusetts. Yes. Ben, if you would. And Phil writes to us, Gentlemen, my questions uh, for your guest are as follows. Um, did J.P. Morgan specifically fund uh, Tesla's energy tower on Long Island? There's, a mi- there's many follow-ups, so I'll just take them one at a time. <laughs> okay, all right, yeah. Uh, initially, yes, J.P. Morgan uh, did fund the Wardenclyffe Tower. Tesla had uh, had gone to Morgan and, and other uh, possible financial backers with this idea that this, this tower would be a radio transmitter that, uh, unlike uh, the, uh, the, the primitive efforts of Marconi, uh, this would be a transmitter that could um, you, you could pick up signals from it all across the planet, and not only would it transmit uh, a radio, but Tesla was also envisioning a, uh, a, a video uh, types of, of transmission, telephone. You know, this this was the first idea of kind of like a, a cell phone uh, type of tower. What Tesla did not tell J.P. Morgan though was that the main idea of this tower would be to uh, also transmit transmit uh, uh, electricity uh, through a combination of, uh, of, of sending it through the atmosphere and then resonating through the earth itself. This tower had huge uh, steel beams that went down into the earth. Tesla's idea was that uh, then the, 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 the power that was transmitted would, would literally grab a hold of the earth and that uh, 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 any place around the planet, and, and probably this would require you know multiple uh, transmitters around the planet. But uh, all you would have to do then is to have a uh, an antenna in the atmosphere, and then uh, an additional one that went down into the Earth, and you would be able to get uh, however much power was being uh, transmitted from this facility. So after Morgan found out that uh, that's you know the main reason that this this uh, facility was being built he couldn't see any way that you could charge anybody he you know morgan was not very you know forward thinking so you know he was like okay if you're transmitting electricity for anybody to pick up for free how am i going to make money on this and so he withdrew the funds from Tesla and then convinced uh, the other people who are also providing money for this uh, facility to uh, withdraw funds as well and that really that that ended up being the 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 end of Tesla's uh, career oh geez so well actually that answered almost every single one of the (laughs) follow-ups except (laughs) except for one thing so did Tesla intentionally mislead Morgan yes yes he did Oh, Uh, okay uh, well okay he didn't mislead him into, you know, I mean, he didn't lie to him. He just uh, held back some of the information. Uh, you know, because uh, the Wardenclyffe Tower would have done all of the things that Tesla was saying. He just neglected to let Morgan know that it was also going to uh, be an attempt uh, to... Uh, uh, to, to transmit uh, transmit energy. Now, if, if Morgan had allowed Tesla to do uh, what he was going to do, Tesla would have come up with a way, no doubt, uh, that that Morgan could have made 
substantial money off of this. I mean, there there would have been all kinds of different ways that you could have metered the uh, uh, this energy as it would arrive into your home, but. Um, uh, Morgan just, um, I guess, uh, I guess he just felt that uh, that that Tesla had uh, had misled him, and that uh, he didn't see any reason why he was going to work with this uh, gentleman any longer. You know, there's also been talk that uh, because uh, Morgan worked earlier uh, in his career with Thomas Edison, and that this could have been, you know, kind of a well, you know. Now I see what Edison was talking about, uh, you know, uh, with Tesla. So I'm going to blacklist this guy, just like uh, you know, um, um, uh, Edison, you know, wanted me to. <laughs> so how did Thomas Edison sort of fit into this whole scheme of things? Well, when Tesla first came to the United States, uh, he started working for uh, uh, Thomas Edison mm-hmm. as a, as an electrical engineer. And you know, Edison at first was very impressed by this you know this young kid, uh, you know, uh, because uh, Tesla just had this ability. I mean, you know, he could just go and just you know work on uh, electrical equipment that he had never you know seen before, and you know he could repair them, he could uh, uh, make them work better. You know, was, you know this Tesla. Tesla was just you know, really fantastic at his, at his work, but uh, Edison had him do a job that uh, had stymied uh, his other engineers, and he told Tesla, uh, supposedly in jest, that uh, if, if he was able to fix this where his other engineers couldn't, he'd give him, uh, you know, like a bonus of, uh, I think it was like, you know, $10,000, you know, it was some, some outrageous amount of money. Well, Tesla took him at his word for it, and uh, he fixed this item in just a, a number of, just a couple of days. And so he came back and he says, okay, where's my bonus? And Edison just made some kind of flippant remark that, oh, well, you just don't understand the American sense of humor. <laughs> and, yeah. And so then, you know, Tesla, Tesla quit. And then, of course, when um, uh, Tesla's company developed the, uh, the AC motor, uh, you know, uh, Edison had all his money in uh, the uh, the DC transmission of electricity. I mean, Edison had already had uh, um, uh, power lines and uh, generating plants in Manhattan uh, uh, strung up using uh, DC current. And AC, since it's so much more efficient, just really knocked Edison out of the water with this. Edison lost a lot of money. Uh, uh, from this, and, uh, and and in fact, Edison went and started doing just really despicable business campaigns, uh, uh, trying to convince people that AC current was so dangerous that you know people would have it in their home and they'd get electrocuted to death. He went and uh, and and electrocuted an elephant one time using oh, AC current. Oh yeah, I forgot about uh, that. Uh, well, Edison uh, developed the first electric chair. You know, for uh, human executions based on AC current. All of this in a campaign to discredit Tesla and his AC current. Macy's and Gimbals. Oh, yeah. Yeah. oh yeah, yeah. Except, except really on just this this hideous scale. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Tim, we're coming down to the end of the hour here. Tell us about you. We have a few more questions, but tell us about yourself, your books, where people can get them. Uh, your show and everything, any kind of shameless self-promotion you'd like to engage in, please do. <laughs> well, um, if uh, if anybody wants to 
you know, read my books. Uh, you just uh, go to Amazon. That's probably the best place. You know, Amazon.com. You know, just type in Tim R. Swartz, and uh, all of my books uh, that I have ever done are are, are, are listed there. Uh, my website that uh, I, I share with uh, uh, Timothy Green Beckley and uh, other people from uh, uh, Tim's company, Global Communication, is ConspiracyJournal.com. Uh, we put out a free email newsletter uh, every week, by the way, that you can sign up for, and uh, uh, we'll, we'll we'll send it to you. You know, we don't uh, we won't spam you or or, 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 or sell our email list to other people like uh, others are want to do anymore. And uh, uh, my show, my my podcast with Timothy Green Beckley is called Exploring the Bazaar, and uh, it's heard Thursday nights at 10 p.m. Eastern time on uh, KCOR uh, Radio. That's KCORradio.com. Well, certainly Ben and I have been in cahoots with these characters for years, and, and we, <laughs> we, we vouch for their, for their uh, uh, integrity. And uh, I think Tim is an excellent writer, and I highly recommend the books. And I'm a professional editor, so I don't yes, give that kind Yes, Tim of Beckley, writing 50,000 books a year. Yeah, he <laughs> publishes four to five books, a, uh, not all written by himself, but, you know, and I've contributed, and certainly Tim is, is, a, is a major contributor. Uh, four or five books a month sometimes. Uh, it's, it's really, Tim is a phenomenon. Anyway, there we are. So, Tim, uh, my final, um, not my final question, but, but a, a big question I've been kind of waiting to ask is how to relate Tesla's thought to things that have happened to you in paranormal research. And I'm always fascinated by, because, you know, over the years, just about everything has happened to me at one time or another. But one thing that has not happened is something we've talked about on your show, and that is the, the, the incident of the rocks, okay? Uh, you were in a house where poltergeist phenomena mm. was going on, Mm-hmm. And uh, rocks were literally falling from the ceiling. I, I've never seen that. I've seen things like it, but not that. You took a rock, you drew, an, I guess, an X on it with yes. a magic marker, went out back, threw it into the field, and it came through the ceiling <laughs> into the rock. I think that's absolutely fascinating. First of yeah. all, could you tell us about that? And secondly, what would Tesla have said about that, if you hmm. if you care to speculate? Mm-hmm. Well, this was this happened uh, when I was working at a, a television station in Dayton, Ohio, and this would have been the early 1980s. And my assignment editor had uh, uh, passed along. Uh, he had received this phone call from these people. There had been a uh, a, a poltergeist case going on uh, in in Columbus, Ohio, uh, right around the same time. A very famous case, in fact. Uh, been several books uh, written about. It. So um, th- these people had uh, had seen our coverage. Uh, the station I was working for was WHIO Channel Seven, and uh, they wanted to know if there was somebody who uh, who who could come and and look into this. They weren't. Um, uh, I don't know why they called a, uh, a television station. I guess they just really didn't know who else to turn to, uh, but they didn't really want any uh, publicity. So uh, uh, my assignment editor knew I was interested in this stuff, so um, I, I went out there. I actually, I, I took my camera equipment with me, which, you know, in that time, you know, it was uh, three-quarter inch uh, uh, equipment, you know, big old uh, camera, big old deck that you had to have, uh, you know, uh, on your shoulder, and, and these huge batteries that uh, would uh, run them, run them all. So I went out there with everything charged up, and and almost as soon as I got into the house and tried to turn everything on, everything was dead. All yeah. the batteries were completely drained. That you know, at that, at that time, I was not familiar 
with that, you know, like I said, this would have been around 19, you know, uh, or 82, something like that. You know, I was, that just, just completely uh, befuddled me. So later than that evening, as we were sitting around in the li- living room uh, talking, all of a sudden there was kind of like, uh, it sounded like a roll of thunder almost, and, and the house kind of shook slightly. And then all of a sudden from the middle of the ceiling, uh, these rocks, they, they look like, uh, like the rocks you'd have in your driveway, you know, like, you know, small white, I think, I think they're limestone, uh, rock, gravel. And it just started, uh, one by one, they would appear just underneath the ceiling and drop to the floor, uh, probably about, uh, five or six. Uh, and, uh, you know, we just kind of sat there and looked at it. And the people of the house, they were like, this is the first time that this has happened. This is new to us as well. <laughs> so I picked this, I picked the rocks up and looked at them. They didn't appear to be, you know, a- any different. So I remember a story that Ivan T. Sanderson had written about where, where he did the same thing. So I took a magic marker and uh, marked them with an X and then chucked them into the cornfield. Uh, behind the house and uh, this would have been like in August so the corn was pretty high and almost immediately they came back (laughs) and the the phenomena uh, repeated itself they just one by one just you know uh, just just slowly uh, falling to the floor well I I don't mean slowly falling to the floor I mean they fell at a normal rate of speed but it's just like you know boop 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 and it was just like uh, okay, I'm not going to do this again. So I actually I pocketed the rocks and <laughs> and 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 took them with me. Oh, you still uh, have them then? Uh, somewhere, yeah. <laughs> I've, I've I've managed to find. You, you have to remember. You know, I said this was uh, in in 19, 1982. I've yeah. moved a couple of times since then, but I, I do have a couple of them with me still. They're cleverly um, hidden. Yeah, That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> so what would Tesla have said about that? Do you think? Hmm. I suppose it all depends when, uh, uh, at what point in Tesla's life you would have approached him with it. Um, if he would have seen it in his younger days, he probably would have thought it was trickery of some kind, that, you know, somebody was playing a fine joke. Uh, maybe uh, later on, as, uh, uh, you know, in the 20s and 30s, he may have tried to bring in his ideas of frequency and uh, um, and and the way that everything uh, um, has its own uh, uh, rate of vibration and and resonance that uh, that somehow these rocks had been able to uh, you know to be vibrated uh, really for one of I can't really think of a better term uh, to a uh, you know to a higher state of vibration to the point where they could actually go outside of this uh, um, uh, this you know time and space uh, you know, I'm you know I'm, I'm kind of bringing in my own you know ideas on, yeah, on yeah. this uh, uh, you know but uh, I would think that probably Tesla would have looked at it along those lines that this was some kind of natural phenomena that was taking place that we don't understand but it would have something to do uh with frequencies and vibration and that somehow that these these rocks you know had been uh, uh, uh taken out of their own natural state and vibrated at a higher state you know but uh yeah that's uh, that would be that would be my guess and so 
you know, who knows? I mean, I'm sure that somebody maybe who is a, a physicist and uh, has a, a better scientific understanding of how Tesla looked at things, you know, may be able to explain that a little better. But, uh, you know, that's that would be my take on it. So you sort of mentioned that towards the end, well, not towards the end of his life, but, you know, kind of after that, that whole li- literal shock that he, he went through, um, he sort of started delving into Eastern philosophies. What, what did you mean by Eastern philosophies? Well, um, the ideas of, of say, like uh, um, uh, Hindu religions, uh, uh, Buddhism, uh, philosophies like that. Uh, just, just looking into the idea of, of, uh, you know, how the universe operates, uh, how we operate, uh, uh, you know, in this universe. You know, uh, Tesla had been raised, uh, a, a Christian, so through a large portion of his life, you know, his, uh, his understanding was based on, uh, Christianity. So after this experience, uh, he began to understand what some of these uh, uh, religions were talking about uh, when it came to um, uh, how the universe uh, operates and uh, uh, and and you know how what our place is uh, within this reality and and other realities as well you know ideas that that he felt that uh, you know maybe Chris, Christianity hadn't addressed uh, properly. Well, I, I don't know about that. Um, I must say, from the because Ben grew up Eastern Orthodox too, and I of course studied there and and converted to it in 1975. And it's one of the reasons it attracted me was because it is its understanding of things is very different from Western Christianity. Protestants and Catholics are much closer together in, in their understanding than the Orthodox are. Mm-hmm. And the Eastern mentality, um, see, I'm wondering if, it, since Tesla was brought up in that too, it's, um, I'm wondering if, if it, it, it is very open. As a matter of fact, we did a lecture last year. Uh, we were asked to, to speak twice at the uh, Greater New England UFO Conference, and we were, and so, what are we going to talk about? And there was a lot of interest in God and UFOs and the paranormal. So I said, what are we talking mm. about that? And in, in just looking back over old notes and stuff, I found that, that the, the two religions that are most um, able to believe in extraterrestrial life are the Muslims and the Eastern Orthodox Christians, oddly mm. enough, which kind of surprised me when looking at... Uh, so there's, there is rather a, a rather pantheistic... Uh, approach, at, you know, it, from looked at from a certain point of view. I mean, you got you know, the same doctrines, but they're looked at very often in, in different ways than they are in the West. So I'm wondering, you know, maybe, and this is maybe something that someone can look into, uh, looking at the Tesla's um, Orthodox upbringing, uh, albeit a Christian one, that maybe it left him open to uh, other Eastern philosophies. I, I would consider Eastern Orthodox Christianity to be an Eastern philosophy. Mm-hmm. No, it could very well be. Others uh, might argue with that, but I... I uh, oh, no, no. Well, you know, uh, the thing about it is is that, uh, especially after uh, Tesla immigrated to the United States, there there's not a lot of mention of uh, his religious upbringing. Yeah. Um, you know, he, beca- he, he became very uh, materialistic. Part of that, I think, has to do with um, uh, after his mother died. I think that kind of hardened him uh, a, a little bit. Uh, he said that he actually had a vision of, of his mother at the, at the time that she died. 
and that uh, that he realized that uh, that she had passed away but i mean he was miles and miles away uh, but after that you know it, it's almost like uh, he he avoided um uh, a religion uh, for for a large uh, portion of his life yeah okay well, there you have it. I think we're just about out of time. Uh, I think we only scratched the surface. Tim, it, is, it was a great pleasure and honor to have you with us on our show for a change. Indeed. And uh, thank you so much. And uh, give us your websites uh, and uh, et cetera one more time, if you would. Sure. Well, uh, again, my uh, our, our main website is Conspiracy Journal. Dot com. Uh, we also have uh, an offshoot of that website called Tesla's Secret Lab dot com. And uh, again, uh, if you want to listen to uh, myself and Timothy Green Beckley uh, spout out every Thursday night, it's at uh, ten o'clock on the uh, KCOR Digital Radio Network show called Exploring the Bazaar. Great show. Thanks again, Tim. We'll talk to you soon. Hey, my pleasure. Thanks for having me on. Okay. Yeah, thanks for being with us. Okay, folks, it's a big week for the Eno Boys uh, on Friday the 31st as an unofficial prequel to the 2018 Exeter UFO Festival. Uh, I will present a special program at the... And I, I've got to learn how to pronounce... I've always pronounced it Playsto, but I understand, I've heard it pronounced other ways. Uh, Public Library, uh, 85 Main Street in Playsto, Playstow, New Hampshire, at 5 p.m. The subject, UFOs and the ultra-weird in the Granite State. Go to BehindTheParanormal.com and just below the main banner, our banner ads for our next three events. Click on the Playstyle banner ad and it will take you right to the registration page. It's free, but registration is required. However, the library tells me that the event is nearly full, so better be quick on your feet. And then on the next day, that's uh, Saturday, September 1st, uh, we'll be back at the Exeter UFO Festival centered at the historic Exeter, New Hampshire Town Hall. The event begins at 8.15 a.m. And my dad and I will be the final speakers of the day from 3 to 4.15 p.m. Other speakers will include Kathleen Martin, Peter Robbins, Mark D'Antonio, filmmaker Jennifer Stein, uh, Bob Terrio, Mike Stevens, uh, Charles Credo, uh, Valerie LaFasso and Shane Searway. And our subject on Saturday will be Aliens and Exorcism. Why do possessed people report UFO experiences? And that is on, uh, then on Sunday the, uh, 2nd, we'll do our third annual on location broadcast of Behind the Paranormal from Exeter Town Hall with a panel of the speakers and with a live audience. And this is a great event, uh, that is an annual, uh, fundraiser for the Kiwanis Club Children's Charities in southern New Hampshire. And last year it raised over $9,000. And it was really fun, and the whole town gets involved, and, you know, there's dog... I, I wish they did the, the dog costume contest still, but I don't know if they still do that. I hope hey, they anything's do. possible. Yeah, exactly. So you can find out more at ExeterUFOFestival.org. Never know what you're going to see on the streets in Exeter next weekend. Honestly. On Columbus Day weekend, uh, that's October 5th and 6th, we will once again speak at the Greater New England UFO Conference in Leominster, Mass. Uh, our topics are... Go- well, actually, we're going to speak... We've been asked to speak twice again. You didn't know this yet, Ben. Oh, cool. But um, we'll, we, we have a couple of subjects worked out we'll talk about it next week uh, or the week after and then uh, find out more at newenglandufo.com and it's back to danbury connecticut uh, once again the for the uh, danbury connecticut or the danbury library once again on saturday october 13th and that for our third annual uh, western connecticut ufo conference you can watch behind the for more information and uh, check out our website behind the paranormal.com you'll find uh, more about the show our many cases over the years public appearances and you'll find uh, nearly 800 free recorded shows from our uh, 10 plus years on the air including our four and a half year run on cbs radio along with special shows and podcasts 
Uh, also on the website, you'll find direct links to several charities Ben and I have adopted, uh, including USACares.org, Canadian Veterans Advocacy, Helping Haiti's Orphans, Youth Mentoring Connection in Los Angeles, and Crohn's and Colitis Foundation of America. We know these people. They're great charities. Check them out. So, Ben, uh, what are we scheming uh, for next week? Ooh, another more gray hairs on my bald head. <laughs> uh, next week, uh, that's Saturday, September 2nd, we will do our aforementioned uh, third annual live broadcast from the 2018 Exeter UFO Festival. And if you have any questions for the uh, panel of speakers and, you know, you can't be at the broadcast yourself physically, you can send them to uh, paul at behindtheparanormal.com. So please include your first name and where you're from, and it should be a lot of fun. Okay. Well, I guess we're kind of out of time for a quote this week, so we'll, we'll leave it till next week. I'm Paul Eno. And I'm Ben Eno. And thanks for joining us on our great cosmic journey, and we shall see you next time. Return to this radio frequency 167 hours from now for another edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno.